Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. We are talking about the story of the old Bible, and we are spending quite a little bit of time establishing the story from the beginning. So we are in chapter two of our story. When I say chapter two, I'm not necessarily talking about chapter two of the book of Genesis. I'm talking about chapter two of our story. Chapter one being the whole story of creation, which actually covered Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two. So in a sense, we are in chapter two of our story and we've titled this chapter two, The Fall. It is the story of rebellion. It is the story of mutiny in the kingdom. There is unrest in paradise. Something happened. Something happened. You remember way back in, I believe it was episode 114, we were talking, asking ourselves the question, what makes a good story? We said that a good story, among other things, must have great, terrific, engaging beginning that hook the readers. And to do that, we have to introduce key characters, which we have done already, but then we have to introduce key conflict. Our chapter two in our story is where the key conflict will be introduced into our story. And in introducing the key conflict, we are going to create questions that the readers will want an answer to. So, and this is what we are doing now in, in, in this second chapter of our story. Eugene Patterson in his book, Walking the Angles, Walking the Angles, he described this key conflict of the story of the whole Bible this way, and I'm going to quote, a catastrophe has occurred. We are no longer in continuity with our good beginning. We have been separated from it by a disaster. We are also, of course, separated from our, from our good end. We are, in other words, in the middle of a mess. Okay, I wish the next event we are looking into and we are looking at today did not happen, but it did. And you and I bear the marks of that story in our life, in our experiences, in the life of our loved one, in our nations all over the world. I wish the delight and the bliss and the happiness that we've been talking about in the last two couple of sessions in the Eden Garden, I wish that experience of paradise, I wish that experience of peace was forever, but it wasn't. And we are all living evidence to that fact. So the story of the fall is where we are going to look at in the book of Genesis chapter 3. It is cataclysmic, it is catastrophic, and we are going to read it in the book of Genesis. So without much ado, let's go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Now the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Verse 2, and the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the tree of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, and the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, 
and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. The eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sowed fig trees together and made themselves apron. Praise the Lord. Now, we are not going to go today to actually look deeply into the result of their action. We are not going to go that far today, but I just want to mention this because you remember the last time we read Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 and we read there that the Bible says that the man and the woman, the man and his wife, they were both naked, but they were not ashamed. But now verse 7, you remember we read that in preparation to the story. Verse 7 of Genesis chapter 3 tells us that now they sinned, now they rebelled, now they disobeyed. And the Bible says their eyes, the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. Something fundamental has gone wrong with them. So we'll come back to them, to that by the grace of God. So the question is, how are we to understand the story of the fall in Genesis chapter 3 account? Because we, we've had these two symbolic trees and now we have this story of the talking snake. Then the question is, is this actually a real story? Is this a true story? Is this a real story or is this just a myth or is it just a legend? The, the answer is that this was and is a true story. This was not a myth. This was not a legend. This was a true story. Yes, there were the two trees, <laughs> symbolic trees. Yes, there was a talking snake. But the fact is that this was a true story. This story was for real. For one thing, this part of this story is a part of a larger story, isn't it? When we read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we said, In the beginning, God, and it went on to tell us about what God started to do. And Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, in the New Living Transition, says that this is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. So this story that we are reading, the story of the fall, the story of the snake coming in is part of a larger story. And this part of the story is as real and it's as true as every other part of the story that we have read. And also the rest of the Bible treats this part of the story as a real event. And that is very, very important for us to understand. If you ask me, was this a true story? Was this a myth? Was this a legend? The answer is no, it's not a myth. No, it's not a legend. It was a true story. Number one, it was part of this larger story that we've been reading. Number two, the rest of the Bible treats it as a real event. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And then we read the book of Timothy, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. For Adam was first formed, and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. So those two verses that we read, or those two portions, I should say, <laughs> of the scripture that we read, actually took this story of the fall to, to be real, to be true, because both of them 
are telling us about that event that led to their expulsion from the Garden of Eden. Both of them, the, the first Corinthians 15 that we read says that since by man came death, at what point in the story did this happen? It was in Genesis chapter 3. It said, for as in Adam all died. When did that happen? That happened in Genesis chapter 3. And First Timothy says that Adam was not deceived. He said, if was deceived and they transgressed, at what point in this story did that happen? That only happened in this stage of the story that we are, we are reading in Genesis chapter 3. Amen. If this event, this event that we are talking about, if that event did not take place, if there was no fault, and all the implications that follow, then the rest of the story of the Bible will not be necessary. <laughs> then the cross of the Lord Jesus will not be necessary. Then all these other things will be irrelevant. We wouldn't, wouldn't need Abraham. We wouldn't need the children of Israel. We wouldn't need the prophet. This is what en- engender all the other things that then happen after that. So if this event did not take place with all its implications, then the rest of the story of the Bible will be unnecessary, will be incoherent, will be irrelevant. But it is because this event took place. That is why this, our story has taken the direction that it will take from this point onward. Is that okay? Amen. Now somebody may ask, do you really believe that there was a talking snake in the Eden Garden? And my answer is emphatic, yes. You can as well ask me, do I believe that God created the universe? You can as well ask me, do I believe that there was an Eden Garden? As real as God actually created the universe, as real as that, as real as the fact that God created Adam and Eve and put them in Eden Garden, as real as that, it's as real as that, that there was a talking snake in the garden. I believe there was a talking, talking snake in the garden who at the time was walking uprightly, just as real as there was a tree of life and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This was part of the story. The previous part of the story were real. This could not just, this could then not be a myth or a legend. Eve clearly was not spooked by a talking, walking serpent. Eve was not spooked by <laughs> the serpent coming to her and talking to her and walking on her on, her, on, on the foot. She, Eve went on to carry a full blown conversation with the snake like this was normal. Okay, so. This is why I believe that, yes, this event was a true event. The Eden Garden was a far superior life experience and civilization to what we have today. And why should we be surprised that it has content that is alien to our own experience today? Obviously, after the fall, everything changes. But the truth is that the civilization and the life they live in the Garden of Eden is, was far, far, far superior to the one we live now. So it will not be surprising if there are elements in that garden that is strange, that is alien to us today. Praise the Lord. The evidence clearly reveals the existence of evil at the beginning and also the origin of sin in creation. So this story that we've read revealed to us that at the beginning, evil was already there. And this chapter 3 of Genesis that we've read actually tells us at what point sin entered into creation. So there are two things I've mentioned there. Up till now, sin has not entered into creation. 
Up till now, Adam and Eve were living in obedience to God and everything was fine. But this story clearly revealed to us, number one, that in the beginning, there was already evil. Then number two, it then shows us at what point in the story sin entered. Now, the question of evil has confronted us even before the fall in the symbol, obviously, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So then the question is, where did evil come from? How did evil get to the Garden of Eden? Who is this enemy? Who is working to subvert all this goodness, all this glory, all this peace, all this delight that God has created for his man and his woman? So I'll run through the question again. So where did the devil come from? This is the question that challenge that faces us now. Where did, the, where did evil come from? How did evil get into the Garden of Eden? What right does evil have to be in the Garden of Eden? And who is this enemy who is working to subvert the goodness of God? So Genesis chapter 3 is the record of an event that took place. It did not set out to be a deposition on the origin of evil. So we will not find the answer to, the, to all these questions that I've posted here in Genesis chapter 3. For the answer to all this question, we'll have to appeal to other portion of the scripture. But it is important that we ask this question. But the Bible definitely identifies for us that the snake in the garden was Satan. The Bible identified the snake as Satan. The Bible identifies snakes. This snake, this speaking, talking snake, the Bible identified that snake as a representative of the devil. And we saw that his one task right from the beginning is to stalk humanity with evil subtlety and deception. Now, let's try and confirm that statement. Let's go to the book of Revelation and we'll read some couple of verses. Revelation chapter 12, we read verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Revelation chapter 20, verse 2. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. These two scriptures clearly associated the devil, Satan, with the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And it is very, very important for us to understand this, that the Bible, yes, at this point, we may not have all the answer to the question of evil, because that is not the purpose of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is not giving us a, a deposition, a complete answer to the, as to the origin of evil. Yes, we may not be able to answer the question at this point as to where did evil come from? Uh, how did evil get to the Garden of Eden? And who is this enemy that is working tirelessly to subvert the goodness of God? But one thing that is very, very clear from this point is that the Bible identified that snake in the garden to actually be a symbol, to be a voice, to be a representative of the devil. And that is what the portion that we read in Revelation is clearly telling us. The Bible says that old serpent is the devil, is Satan. And the Bible says it deceived, and that is what he has been doing. 
it deceived the whole world, the Bible says. And the grace, that is Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world, the Bible says. And this is, this is, this is a clear association that the Bible has given us about the, you know, the, the, the connection between the serpent and Satan. Satan is known by a number of names in the scripture. Now that we have this connection, what I want to do now is to dig a little bit more into this connection. Now that we know that the Bible associates this, this serpent that deceived Eve and Adam, now that that, associate, that connection has been made, let's look a little bit at the character of this devil, of this Satan. Satan is known by a number of names in scripture, and some of these names will help us to understand his evil character, his hostility, his cunning power, and evil intent towards God's goodness and towards God's people. All right, so what I'm going to do now is to just, I'm not going to do a complete look at all the names of the devil. No, that's not what I'm doing. What I want to do is to look at some of his name that is relevant to this part of the story that we are in now. Some of his name that is relevant to this period of our story, the fall. That is what we want to look at. Obviously, his first name is Satan. And that word Satan actually means adversary. Adversary. The word Satan means adversary. Remember what I said? There are so many other names of the devil that we are not going to look into. The name we are looking into now is to actually help us to understand what it, he was doing through the, you know, the symbolism of the serpent, through the representative of the serpent. That as the serpent was speaking to Eve, it was the devil that was speaking through the serpent. It was the devil that was carrying out his hostile evil and wicked plan through the serpent. So the first name of that we have of the devil here is Satan. And that word means adversary. Is the one who we stand is an opponent, is the arch enemy of God. First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five, verse eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible called the devil your adversary. The Bible says, as a roaring lion is walking about, is seeking whom he may devour. That has always been his intent from the beginning. He's also called the devil. Okay, obviously. The word the devil means a slanderer. A slanderer is the, is, this is one of the most popular name of the devil or of Satan and is used majorly in the New Testament. The devil means a slanderer. He slanders both God and humanity. He accuses us. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And what we see him do in the Garden of Eden is that he slanders God's characters. We are going to come back to that because we want to see how did he get Adam and Eve to actually rebel against God. We'll come to that. But that is his character. He is a slanderer. Let's read. We are going to read. We want to read, I mean, I think we have actually, we've actually read that, so I'm not going to go there. We've read it in Revelation chapter 12, verses 19, and Revelation chapter 20, verse 2. The Bible call him the devil, so I'm not going to go back to that. Now, another name that is used for the devil is a tempter. Let's read that in the book of Matthew chapter 4, 
verse 3. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that this stone be made bread. Obviously, here we are talking about the temptation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the devil is Satan, which is adversary, is the devil, which is slanderer, but is also called here the tempter. And that is again what we see him do in the Garden of Eden. He entices men to sin. He brings temptation to do evil. And that is the devil. And we're looking at all this name because it throws light on the activity of the serpent, which is connected to the devil in the Garden of Eden. He's also called the wicked one. It's called the wicked one or the evil one. Let's read that Matthew chapter 13 verse 19. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. When one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and another translation there said the evil one, and casheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is this is he which receiveth the seed by the wayside. Now, so the devil is actually called the wicked one. And we saw him manifesting that wickedness and that evil in the garden of Eden. Now we are going to read John chapter 8 verse 44. John chapter 8 verse 44 and it outlined for us again couple of names of the devil that is relevant to what we are doing today. The Lord Jesus was talking to some group of people. He said you have your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. You can see here that Satan is called the devil. He said he was a murderer from the beginning. He abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Wow, wow, wow. Over there, we can see quite a few number of character of the devil. And we see all this play out in the Garden of Eden. In John chapter 8, verse 14, that we read, is called the devil. We've talked about that. That is a slanderer. He's called a murderer. Okay, by cutting off men from the life of God or by inciting men to physically murder or spiritually cause a separation is called a liar and is called also the father of lies. And when we go back to that Revelation chapter 12 verse 19 that we read, is also called a deceiver. So Satan, devil, tempter, the wicked or evil one, a murderer, a liar, father of lie, a deceiver. And I want you to look out for all this character when we come back the next time by the grace of God to look at what transpired between Eve and the serpent, understanding that the serpent, the, the, the voice that we are hearing through the, from, through the serpent is actually the voice of, the, of Satan, is the voice of the devil. And we'll begin to see how he was able to get away with what he did in the garden. And obviously, that helps us to understand the story that we are going through, but that also helps us to understand the operation of the devil even in our own life today. So next time, by the grace of God, we are going to look at those other questions we posted, the fact that we are going to ask ourselves, where did the devil come from? Who is this devil who is a liar, a murderer from the beginning? And most importantly, how did the serpent entice the man, the woman and the man to rebel against God and do exactly what God strictly want them not to do. Because that will be very, very important for you and I. One thing is clear though, sin entered into creation only in the story of the fall. 
of human. There was no sin in creation before then. There was no sin before Adam. It was at this point that sin entered into the world. But God has done something about sin. Because sin, and one of the things you will see is that sin is devastating. Sin is a cancer. Sin destroys. Sin murders. Sin destroys our connection with God. And now we that were sons and daughters of God, we have become to come under his wrath. But God has done something. He has sent his son to help us because we couldn't help ourselves. Okay, we, we cannot be good enough. He has sent his son to help you and I. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And you and I can come to Jesus today and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And he will come in and be your Lord, save you. We'll walk the rest of your life with you on this earth. And when this is all over, you will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Do it right now. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.